Uh, well, we return back to Ephesians chapter 5, uh, which we were looking at uh, before we uh, had a little break uh, for the Christmas season. And Ephesians chapter 5, we're now reading from verse 15 in that fifth chapter to the end of the chapter, verse uh, 33, 30, 33. Ephesians 5 verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for you to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And may the Lord bless this portion of his word. We'd be considering the 19th verse very shortly uh, in the service here. Our text this morning is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. I suppose many last night uh, would have sung O Lang Syne, uh, beginning, uh, end of an old year, beginning of a new year. Well, we also have, as Christians, songs to sing. And one of the evidences of the Spirit-filled life is revealed here in this verse. It's a deep joyfulness as well as a thankfulness, as verses 20 and 21 also remind us. It's very much like a cork in water. It keeps floating on the surface. Or you can hold a cork down under pressure. But then once you take your hands off it, it pops to the surface. And here we have this wonderful description of the, the Christian life. 
as a life full of joy and praise to God. We can make a distinction straight away between happiness and joyfulness. Happiness depends so much upon the circumstances, the happenings of life. And so if things have gone well over the Christmas season, you had a happy Christmas. But if you had to spend time in hospital or or a loved one was unwell or, or someone was going through treatment, well, perhaps it was a little bit daunting and a little bit not so happy as it could have been. Whereas in contrast then to happiness, joy can be present even in the times of great trial and difficulty. So you can be sitting alongside someone in a hospital bed and yet there is a sense of joy and you can even sing the praises of God in such circumstances as that. Reminded of the little story that was told that beyond the, before the days of radio and, uh, and gramophones, a Salvation Army officer entered a public house selling the war cry magazine. He observed that everyone was looking a little bit depressed, and so he asked one or two what was going on. And he was told that the pianist had not turned up, and therefore they couldn't have a sing-song. The officer realised that whether there was a pianist or not, the Christian always has a reason to sing in their hearts. That's the observation. Many need music to make them happy. To enable them to sing. But we have a song within us. And this is what this verse is telling us about this morning. And as we begin then this new year, I just want to underline the songs that we're able to sing and the benefit of doing so. Now, I'm not asking you this morning what sort of voice you have and whether you, whether you perhaps uh, would, would value uh, listening to yourself uh, singing. But I am certainly asking you, Do you have anything to sing about? And if you're a Christian this morning, you're able to answer yes to that, even if you perhaps consider yourself to be a a poor singer. There seems to be two very clear elements included uh, in the singing singing of a believer. And verse 19 uh, underlines these two main points for us this morning. The first is mutual encouragement. Notice how verse 19 uh, begins. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So one of the benefits of singing is that it's mutually encouraging, mutually benefiting to one another. And the second element is this, is that it is worship addressed to the Lord. And it's made with wholehearted devotion. Look at verse 19 continues. Yes, uh, we read, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. So we have these two thoughts this morning. We can describe them as fellowship and worship. And this is the uh, consequence then of us being able to, to join in the praises of our God and of our King. I wonder if you've ever thought about these two aspects as we step into this new year. In singing, uh, just something, is it something we just do in a service? Because we've got, we've got prayers and we've got, we've got readings. Uh, so we put a couple of songs in to sort of break it up a little bit. And that's really what it's about. Just to have a little bit of a break and a bit of a change. We, oh, sing a song. Oh, the reality is this. 
We might call these two features, as we've said, important features. There's an encouraging of one another, and also we're directing our worship towards the living God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. The one is horizontal. It's horizontal. We benefit from, from listening to the songs and hymns because the reality is this. There are times when it's hard to sing. We've just done well just to come in and take our seat. We're, we're, we're discouraged. We're, we're, we're low in spirit. And then as we begin to hear the singing and we're reminded of the sometimes familiar old hymns or, or some new hymn or, or a hymn to a new tune, it comes afresh to us. And we find we're able to draw some encouragement from that. And as well, it might be observable, although in one sense we are directing all our worship to God. You're sitting down and you're looking perhaps and you're hearing a voice and you're thinking you know who that voice is, you know that they're singing and you know what they've been through in the last 12 months. And yet you think, you know, and they can still sing. They still love the Saviour. They're still serving him. They still want to follow him. And however it is with you then, that can be a mutual encouragement for you also to carry on and to serve the Lord. And also as well, there is this vertical sense. The singing of these hymns is praise to God. What are we doing? We're joining with the angels. We're joining with those just spirits of men, already, men and women already made perfect in the glory, already sing the song of the Lamb. But there will be one final choir piece when all who have loved the Lord Jesus Christ from every tongue and tribe and nation and from every generation and from every decade and century, they will be gathered together to praise the Lord, the Lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the world. And yet both the horizontal and the vertical can take place at the same time. So let's look simply at these two points this morning. The place of praise and worship in the context of the fellowship. Now the old King James Version translates it as speaking to yourselves. And that can obviously give the impression that this is something done in private by an individual believer. Uh, encourage yourself individually by singing songs and, 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 and hymns and, and psalms. So that it might be something then that you would undertake in your private devotions. But that is why then perhaps it's a better translation for what we read in the uh, new uh, English Standard Version. Here that it's translated that we are then to speak to one another. Speak to one another. It gives it that sense of fellowship immediately. A sense of a congregational singing. A, a body ministry then. By using the word, uh, the ESV says, addressing one another. Addressing one another. A, there's a similar passage as Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 3 and verse 16. And it translates there as teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so singing, then, is an essential part of the Christian life. Now, I appreciate that you might not think that you've got a voice. But living opposite a park, I hear the blackbird, I hear the robin, but I also hear the jackdaws. And to be honest, you wouldn't want a choir of jackdaws singing. But they're singing. Why? Because uh, they're grateful. 
whatever it is, whether it's the territory they're in, whether it's uh, they're looking for a mate, there's this sense of, of joy in their hearts, the, the dawn chorus. It includes, the, it includes not only the blackbird and the, and the, and the robin, it includes the, 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 the jackdaws as well. So it doesn't matter what our voice is, but there's something within us. Our heart should be full of gratitude and thankfulness to God. You see, you can have had a difficult week. It might be a tiring Tuesday, a worrying Wednesday, uh, perhaps even a frightening Friday. And yet when then we come to the public gathering, so often the words of a hymn or the verse of a hymn can exhort us, it can encourage us, it can help us to face the uncertain future because the future is uncertain. Some of us may well remember uh, visiting a man. It's uh, nearly 30 years ago since this man went to glory. He died of prostate, uh, prostate cancer. Uh, but we would visit him in his home uh, during the week. And we would sing some choruses. And uh, one of his favourite choruses was this. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Sometimes we may not sing the words, but we just say the words, quoting perhaps an Old Testament psalm to someone. There's a lady now that I constantly read. Uh, psalm 23 in the Old King James Version and she, she follows me along with those words. She's reminded that the Lord is her shepherd. And though she walks through the valley of the shadow of death, she will fear no evil. For why? Because the Lord is with her. Or perhaps there are those perhaps who need to be encouraged to be reminded of Psalm 46 tells us that God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. We are meant to make a clear distinction uh, between uh, the three words, are we? In terms of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, well, I've read commentaries that say ones would suggest that the psalms are obviously the Old Testament compositions, those 150 psalms of David, many of them. And then perhaps the the songs are something different. Those perhaps or hymns might be referred to as those specifically New Testament hymns. Think of Philippians chapter 2 that speaks of the, the Lord Jesus Christ in his humiliation and his exaltation. And then perhaps the songs might refer to any composition that declares some aspect of God's ways or, or his work. But again, we have to say that there's much that overlaps with regards to these three words. Give an example of this in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 30. After the celebration of the Passover meal, Jesus and his disciples, we read, sang a hymn. As they went, went, made their way to the Mount of Olives. Now that was probably uh, some of the Psalms. The Jewish Hallel, Psalm 115 to Psalm 118. That was sung uh, at the time of the feast of the Passover. So, although it's mentioned as a hymn, it was actually a psalm. And then what do we make of of the new song of Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9? 
You are worthy, the Lamb is worthy uh, to receive praise, glory and honour because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men from God. A, a new song. And then of course in uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 40 we read, uh, it's obviously a, a psalm, but we read th that the Lord has put a, a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to my God. And so we can see in one sense what we have here, whether it's psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, uh, these are different ways of describing essentially something that is used to mutually encourage one another and also to direct us in praise and worship to God. Now, there are some of opinion uh, that we should only sing the Old Testament Psalter. I've been to churches where they only sing the Psalms. Only 150 uh, hymns or, or songs in their hymn book. And yet, I quote this morning Jonathan Edwards, uh, one of the great uh, uh, men, one of the great theologians and, and minds of, the, of, of North America uh, back in the uh, 18th century. And he says this in his first volume uh, on page 396. I am far from thinking that the book of Psalms should be thrown by in our public worship. So he's not against the singing of psalms. But I know of no obligation that confines ourselves to it. And I can see no reason why we should limit ourselves to such particular forms of words that we find in the Bible in speaking to him by way of praise in meter and with music. And it is readily needful that we should have some other songs beside the Psalms of David, wherein all the greatest and most glorious things of the gospel are spoken of either under a veil or not so much as the name of our glorious Redeemer is even mentioned, but in some dark figure or hid under the name of some type. What Jonathan Edwards is saying is the Psalms do reflect the glory of God, but there are other songs that we can sing that speak of God's kindness and goodness to us and his redemption of us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of the great hymns we sing can teach us much in terms of doctrine and theology. They express also the Christian's experience. They put into words what we have felt and known, but we haven't been able to express it that way. And we find that we're listening to something and it, it's, it, that's exactly how I feel about the Lord Jesus. That's exactly how I feel about myself. That's exactly how I feel about uh, other members uh, of the fellowship that I belong to. And we, we, they, they, they become a little phrase that we're able to use to remind ourselves of these important things. But they express also the Christian's experience of salvation, the conviction of sin. The beauty of Christ, the hope of the cross, the assurance we have of forgiveness. And there are hymns we know as well that when we sing them, they, they exhort us. Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Sinners Jesus will receive. Today thy mercy calls us to wash away our sins. What a friend we have in Jesus. Now, you, you know something of that, of the flavor of these different types of hymns. 
And uh, we also have to say that uh, there are those times and occasions when perhaps uh, the words are revitalized. It's an old hymn, but a new tune has been put to it. Uh, and so we sing it perhaps with, with more meaning, because in the past we've been stuck on the tune, and we've not really been thinking about what we're singing. There's been a recent uh, new tune, to before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Another, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. If we but understood how we can mutually help each other by hearing the congregation sing. It may be that we would sing perhaps twice as loud, although our voices perhaps are not the best. Some of us, I'm sure, uh, have sung hymns in our private devotions. Some of us as well have had those precious moments uh, alongside a bedside. Do you remember a lady? She served the Lord here for, for many, many years, a good Sunday school teacher, coming to the end of her life. And we were able to sing some of the old choruses that we sang uh, with the children over the years. And I think what distinguishes the Christian as well is this. We were recently in a funeral of a dear saint. And this marks out the difference because at the graveside everybody comes, a few words are said and uh, people look into the grave and throw a rose or some, some soil and then move away. We sang. We sang at the graveside. It was wet, we couldn't sing long, but we sang. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, O oh, glorious day. So, the mutual encouragement of singing and the advantage of it. But secondly, this also includes uh, the worship of God. There is this horizontal as well as this vertical aspect to it. So, let's read that verse again. Uh, we read clear, clearly, Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. There's more to singing than just reminding ourselves of biblical truths and expressing the Christian's experience of salvation. Singing also exalts the name of the living God. Now again, we must pay attention to the phrase, making melody in our hearts, which is found in the King James Version and the NIV, uh, as it suggests again, quiet inward contemplation. The reality is, uh, at our home, uh, I do uh, sing a hymn, uh, in the morning to begin my devotions but I don't sing out loud at that time in the morning I'm aware of the book of Proverbs that says a, a man who speaks with a loud voice it'll be a curse unto him so I don't sing out loud but I'm singing but you know it's quiet it's a quiet sort of singing and I, sometimes if I haven't got a tune I make a tune up right but but now this is different. This is, this is different, what we're reading here. This making melody in, in our hearts. It is the making melody to the Lord in your hearts. And this points more to singing wholeheartedly, which you can't do in the early hours of the morning. But you're putting your mind and your heart into it. Some thinks of, of hymns in a service as a, as a mean to pop a sweet into your mouth or perhaps to stand up and to stretch your legs for a few minutes to get the blood flowing before you, you sit down for the long sermon. Well, it's more than that. 
There's a vertical aspect to, to the worship of God here in the singing. It's the means of helping each other, certainly, but it's also addressed to the Lord. It's directed to him in praise and honour of him who is the sole object of our worship. I'd recommend, if you have time, uh, to read something of the preface in the, the front of the Christian hymn book, the, either the old hymn book or the, the new hymn book. There are seven bullet points uh, quoted from John Wesley's rule for Methodist singers. And uh, the seventh point reads as this. Uh, have an eye, he says, sing spiritually, sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing him more than yourself or any other creature. Attend to what you sing and see that your heart is not carried away with the sound, but offer to God continually through the words. The spirit-filled believer finds it no hardship to sing. They may not have the most tuneful voices, but they are fully engaged in the sense of the meaning and the phrases uh, that they read. It can be a song about the attributes of God, the characteristics of God, how wonderful, how beautiful the sight of thee must be, thy endless wisdom, boundless power, and awful purity. It could be a song about the standing of a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, who like me his praise should sing. A believer, you see, has a very good reason to sing praises to God for who he is and also for what he has done and for what he continues to do and what he has promised yet to do. These promises are, are ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. And also we have an awareness of God's continuing love towards us as we journey on to glory. There are certainly twists in the path and Bends in the road and hills of difficulties to face. And there are times when we're just able to sing with a tear in our eye. All the way my saviour leads me. Cheers each winding path I tread. Gives me grace for every trial. Feeds me with the living bread. How sad it is that we often are engaged perhaps in the matter of singing and the praises of God, but we perhaps have had nothing to do with uh, how many things there are that we could give thanks for. The, 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 perhaps our voices perhaps are not the best, but we can sing. One hymn writer put it like this, you see. I found the pearl of greatest price. My heart doth sing for joy, and sing I must. For Christ is mine. Christ shall my songs employ. Drawing to a close, uh, let me mention something personal here. I uh, read um, an article by Keith Getty uh, in a magazine and he put, uh, put five, again, little bullet points together to improve congregational singing. And the first one hit home, it was addressed to the pastor. And it's a challenge to me and it's a challenge to anyone who will stand in this pulpit. When the hymn is being sung, how engaged is the pastor in singing it? You see, some announce the hymn and then they sit down, look through their notes, or, or are seen perhaps to be silently praying. Well, what impression does that give to the congregation? You do the singing, I don't sing. How loudly, how wholeheartedly 
does the pastor sing. He may be no Pavarotti, but he is a pardoned sinner, and sing he must. Singing with engaged hearts can quicken our spiritual senses and play a part in enlivening our awareness of the wonder of the gospel and of our great saviour. Or are we to be so taken up with ourselves that we don't want others to hear our voices for fear, perhaps, that they would press the buzzer on us and take us off the stage? Are we able to get over the embarrassment of hearing our own voices if it meant that someone in a bed, someone in a hospital, someone in a chair could just join you in a verse of a chorus and a hymn and that those words could remain with them throughout the rest of the day and they could find encouragement and comfort in it. It can lift not only our human spirits, but bring the presence of God into us into a more, in a much more wonderful way. Each of us then has a part to play in this matter. It's not just the one who announces the hymn or who plays the tune, but we are all part of God's family. And as God's spirit-filled people, we're able to avail ourselves of every opportunity to praise our maker while we breath. So those are the two simple thoughts from this verse. It's of mutual encouragement on a horizontal level, but it's also worship to the living God. We'll maybe truly sing his praises throughout this year of 2023. Amen.